Hi, I'm Melanie Travis, founder of Andy Swim. Building a company is hard. There are belly flops, missteps, and issues that pop up every single day, and you have to just keep swimming. You're about to hear the story of a female entrepreneur who faced a sink or swim moment and came out of it stronger, smarter, and more resilient than ever. Today, I'm talking with Jill and Tiana, also known as the Colonistas. Ladies, tell us about the Colonistas. The Colonistas is an in-home private chef service. We offer weekly meal prep services where once or twice a week a chef will grocery shop, come to your home, prep meals, stock your fridge with homemade delicious food so you have meals for the week. And then we also send chefs into the home for occasions, dinner parties, cocktail parties, brunches. And we're based primarily here in New York City, but then also have chefs in Aspen and the Hamptons. Nice. And that's Tiana speaking. And Jill? And I'm Jill, um, co-founder and CEO. We really focus on a very high-touch experience, um, very high-quality chefs, um, but also with a a high-tech back-end to facilitate the whole process. Great. Um, Do you want to maybe spend a minute just telling us, you know, brief origin, how we got to, so when you started and where you are now? sort of set the scene for people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have been in this business and in this industry for over a decade. Um, I started off as a private chef myself, among many other things, um, in culinary. I was working front of house at restaurants, back of house. I was working for a catering company, writing restaurant reviews for Time Out, writing cookbooks, really anything I could do to get my, uh, to get my hands into culinary. Um, and then started uh, staffing private chefs um, in 2006. And I was running a boutique version of what Tiana and I do today. Uh, no back end, no systems, really just managing everything from my own brain. Um, and built it to a, a pretty sizable business for what one person could handle. Um, always really just ebbing and flowing with my attention and energy towards the business, um, and just the natural wave of things. Uh, Sometimes I would have five chefs who I was working with. Sometimes I would have 15 chefs. I had chefs in New York. I had chefs in LA. I had a few chefs in Chicago. I would really just like follow the leads, but I never had um, a way of scaling it and really creating more traction um, and more growth from the business um, that I was that I was generating myself which was fun to be running a small business um, but obviously not totally sustainable you know you can only run so fast and so hard for so long when you're doing it alone Um, so after about a decade of doing that I really didn't sort of know what to do with this thing that I had created that there was clearly a need for it um there were, there were, you know, great chefs um, who who were able to service really high end clients. There was a need, um, but I didn't really know what to do. Um, and at that point, I met Tiana, um, who had a totally different background and really different approach to looking at things. Ten years in, you guys met, and yeah. So tell us about that. What was that conversation like? What what happened then? Yeah, Jill and I were um, introduced through a mutual contact. I had been at J.P. Morgan. I had spent the first five years of my career in finance. Always had a passion for food. I spent quite a few summer, summers in the culinary world. I cooked in a Tuscan kitchen. I 
worked on set with Giada De Laurentiis, Celebrity Food Network star, and worked at Food Network magazine, so a little bit on the editorial side. So I always had a passion and love for food, but wanted to get that business background before jumping into it. And, and we got introduced, and it was at that critical moment where I really wanted to focus my time and energy on something I was passionate about. At J.P. Morgan, I saw firsthand how there was these powerful, incredible women running a bank and clearly didn't have the time they needed to get home, shop, cook, get meals on the table for their family. Um, so I saw the need, and Jill had had that background and that experience. Um, and so we partnered together, and we, we just really put our heads together and figured out how can we bring this to a larger group. We knew there was a clear need, and we just had to put in the systems to scale it and grow it. And so before Tiana came into the picture, Jill, were you thinking this is going to be it? Was there any point when you were like, I can't, you know, sort of keep keep going as is? Oh, I mean, constantly, <laughs> constantly. The first year that I that I started was very exciting. You know, growth and new stuff and figuring stuff out was very exciting. And I would say the last nine years, there was always a question of, should I still be doing this? You know, it's sort of like, what is it? It's it's a shark that if they stop swimming, they die. You know, mm-hmm. when something stops being new and you stop pushing yourself and there stops, um, the growth opportunity is, you know, sort of atrophy. It can get sort of, you know, boring and, mm-hmm. and you can ask yourself a lot, what's the point? Yeah. And I think that honestly through that whole time that I was doing it alone, there was constant questions of should I keep doing this mm-hmm. um definitely yeah and towards the end right when I met T um I had I was had gone to a networking dinner um like a, a female you know networking dinner and I had really wanted to open a restaurant in Malibu oh. I had I had lived in Malibu to um have chefs out there for two years and I decided I really wanted to go back. And the way to go back was going to be to stop doing this private chef nonsense and open a restaurant out there. Um, so I went to the dinner and sort of announced that when it was my, oh my turn God. to speak. This is what I've been doing, but I don't want to talk about that. If anyone has any information about how to open a restaurant in a seasonal you know, village, let's talk about that. And um, a woman came up to me after the dinner and said, first of all, don't close your business yet because you and I have been emailing all week about a party I want to do. So, mm. like, please do my party. Huh. Um, but also, I want you to meet my friend Tiana, who I think oh. she kind of wants to open someplace, in Am- something in Amagansett, mm-hmm. and you guys should talk, you guys should get together and talk about it. And so when we actually first met, we met under this under the premise of we both want to open restaurants in uh, seasonal markets. Huh. And five minutes of the conversation was, yeah, opening a restaurant's a terrible idea. Huh. And opening it in a seasonal market in a seasonal market is is the worst version of that idea. It's very fun. Yeah. I'm we're, sure. we're like, maybe we'll do that after we do something yeah. that's actually yeah. gonna be successful. But to Tiana's credit, she's like, so let's not talk about that. Let's talk mm-hmm. about actually what you've been doing that's working mm-hmm. and what the pain points mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know a lot of women who could really use this yeah. and let's figure out if we can get it to them. That's amazing. It's really interesting because um, on this podcast, we've been hearing a lot of sink or swim stories, and often what we're hearing most is there's some sort of you know dreadful mistake or terrible accident that happens, and like you know how are these founders overcoming these huge mistakes? And in your case, the sink or swim moment is a bit different. The sink or swim moment was really 
do we shut this business or do we keep going? Um, and so that's it's really nice to hear a different, and I'm sure there's so many founders out there who are thinking the same thing. Um, do I keep trying this? Um, how, you know, how do I keep doing it if I want to keep doing it, et cetera? So, so hopefully the story will shed some light, especially because it's such a happy, well, we're barely at the ending, but such a happy happy ending to that. Yeah, for, for us it was, the sink or swim was the starting point. Exactly. Um, and what gave me so much confidence was the clear need. I think a lot of people start businesses because they want to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and they want to be in this female founder community, which is so amazing. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the most successful companies start from that pure need and that Jill, Jill had spent 10 years serving that need mm-hmm. and I had visibly seen it for my time and my career at JP Morgan. So yeah. it felt really good. Yeah, I never really understand when people say, so I want to be an entrepreneur. How do I do that? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I do not understand it. Mm-hmm. It's It really feels to me, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm like the, the intuit one and the, the creative one. I have to feel really um, seized by an idea mm-hmm. and that like I I wanted I want to see the idea happen. I don't even care if it fails. Even if I can just yeah. live with the idea for one more day. For sure. You know, it's like being in love almost. Like yeah. I don't care if he breaks up with with me tomorrow. Today's so great with yeah. him. I just want to keep having today. You know, it's it's that feeling that you really have to have to fuel an idea. That's a really nice analogy. Um, let's deep dive a little bit on the partnership because that's clearly the you know one of the things that you know led to the swim. Um, how do you complement each other? How does this partnership work? So I would say that was the second most exciting reason to start swimming with Jill. It was the need, and then it was just the we're complete opposites, and it's so fun to this day to be building a business with someone that just thinks completely different from you, acts completely different than you. We together are just the most amazing human um, (laughs) (laughs) because we just have all the different qualities that really complement one another. I I agree with her. Um, (laughs) it, It is a unique privilege to get to work so closely with someone who is the opposite. I think Tiana is my greatest teacher because Aww. she does think about things. I mean it. She thinks about things from such a different vantage and she thinks through things in a in a totally different way, but we share the same vision and we have the same goals and the same mm-hmm. values and mm-hmm. we really stand for the same things. So to get to work with someone day in and day out and you know from starting your own business, I mean it's kind of 24/7. Um you learn so much about yourself mm-hmm. and about the myriad ways of looking at one problem um, and the many solutions you can have for it. And it's really framed how we've structured the business. We clearly have our our different roles, and mm-hmm. I, you know, primarily look over operations and the financials of the company. And Jill's primarily looking over the culture and the marketing. Mm-hmm. But we've decided to do everything together because of these different. Perspective. So even culinary, which is Jill's really running the product, I'm in every meeting because I'm mm-hmm. adding that layer of is this operationally achievable? Is it efficient? And I really think because of our different perspectives, we can look at every single piece of this business mm-hmm. and 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 make sure it's well rounded and, and viewed completely. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I would say, you know, it's sort of like that that yin yang, you know, mm-hmm. one one side is almost all black and one side is mm-hmm. almost all white, but there's like a little dot of the opposite in each and you can see that in our backgrounds. Huh. You know, my background is is very culinary, but I was running a small business. So mm-hmm. I have that um, business sense. Tiana was very involved in the business world and the finance world, but don't forget yep. she worked at a Tuscan kitchen. Yeah. You know, she's a huge passion for food. She's That's Italian, guys. Really amazing. <laughs> So while we're talking about this yin and yang, which is very interesting, um, can you talk to us a bit about how you've evolved together and also individually and maybe things you've learned from each other? It's such a fun question. We actually asked the office this question, who's had more influence over one another? Uh, Everyone uh, voted Jill has had more influence over me. (laughs) Tiana goes, I have emotions now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, I am the ultimate... um, intuitive doer and I worked for myself for a decade so I didn't have anyone to uh you know to hold a mirror up to me or anyone to make decisions with I just made decisions totally totally on my own for no other reason than they seemed like a good idea you know and sometimes they weren't sometimes they weren't (laughs) and I didn't have anyone holding me accountable for the times Mm -hmm. that they weren't um what I feel I have learned and what is so valuable working with T is T is always asking, how is this going to affect sales? How is this going to affect growth? How is this going to really move the needle forward? That is not where I was coming from before. Now when I have an idea to do something interesting or do something cool or come up with a new dish even, I know that Tiana is going to ask this question. And so I've started asking it to myself before I bring the idea to the crew, which I think makes her happy. And it's also a wonderful exercise for me to really start thinking in that context, which you'd think if you're running a business of any kind, you're always thinking about how to push sales or or how to really move it forward. That's not really kind of what I was about when I was doing it it was more this seems fun and this seems like a good idea to me and I think the chefs will like this and I think the clients will like it let's try it Mm -hmm. so maybe a little bit less on the um maybe a a merging of intuition and Mm -hmm. um qualitative quantitative thinking and on the flip side of that exact point I started widening my definition of success and success Mm. can just be coolness factor and awareness and it's not always quantitative it is also qualitative so as long as the idea has some thought and rationale behind it I'm so much more open now to great let's partner with this individual or this company because they have a coolness factor to them Mm -hmm. versus just we're going to get x amount of clients and x amount of sales from that partnership the tangible and the intangible coming together yeah it sounds like a partnership that works really well um Okay, so you guys have joined forces, you're working together, you're starting to build this thing. Um, Tiana, what were some of the opportunities that you saw once you started uh, working on this? And, and, and then the flip side of that, Jill, had you were these opportunities that you just hadn't been aware of or, or had you, you know, just not considered them? Um, talk to us about that a little bit. Well, I'll say one sentence about that and then we can talk about what these opportunities were. I saw that the company could grow and that it needed certain things like tech and systems. But that is not how my brain likes to think. It's not the best use of me. And I really didn't want to 
endeavor into that alone. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's a small business, you pick the things that you can do. And there's a lot of just day-to-day stuff that you have to do, namely managing chefs, drumming up business, you know, really looking after um, the brand. So the need was clearly there. And I thought to scale this business efficiently, we needed to do two major things. One, we needed to invest in a technology back end and develop some you know, digital product that could help scale the business as we take on more clients. And secondly, we really needed to bring culinary in-house so we could develop a product that regardless whether you were experiencing a chef in California, Chicago, or New York City, it felt, while we wanted to maintain a very high-touch service, it felt the same and that the brand, the Colonies' brand, was appearing throughout all of our services. Um, So that's what we did. We raised capital, and the first thing we did was figure out what elements of this business should remain extremely high-touch, whether it was how we're sourcing chefs or how we're communicating with clients, and then what aspects of the business could we streamline. The recipe development, the grocery list and materials, the logistics planning, the payment processing, all of those aspects, you don't really need to handhold those experiences. But we did want a, you know, a client service team that was jumping on the phone with clients who had questions or wanted to walk through their dietary restrictions, their household needs. So that's, what we, that's where we started. Um, we brought on a tech team to slowly build out the tools that we would need uh, as, as a culinary team and as a client service team uh, we started we kept interacting with clients that gave us so much power to learn as we were building a product um, to have those intimate conversations with clients who are using our service and to, and to learn from them um, and then the culinary I I think that was one of the most exciting parts for Jill she had always had her hand in culinary whether it was writing cookbooks or cooking throughout the world but Mm -hmm. to bring that in-house and make it part of the product was really exciting and necessary Mm -hmm. to to scale the business what does it mean to bring culinary in-house so we have a dedicated culinary team our office has a kitchen in it and we do all of the recipe development for our services ourselves so it's not the chefs coming up with the recipes It's us as a company really leading a culinary agenda that we have, um, determining everything from how many core ingredients we're going to use in each dish, um, if we're going to only use a certain set of spices, um, what are the menus, how are the menus going to be cohesive? Are we going to have a a sort of Mediterranean profile um, or an Eastern Asian profile? That kind of thing. But everything we do is, is in-house, we say. It really helps with the branding. And again, as we scale and grow, we wanted that brand to be consistent. But it also helps with the helping us really zone in the quality of the chef. I always equate it to like a piano player. People can play the piano really, really well. And there's probably more people in this world that can play the piano. It's a lot harder to find someone that can compose the music and play the piano. Not every chef, even the most fantastic chefs, are really great at developing recipes. And so, and it's also a burden on them. It's It takes a lot of time to develop recipes. And chefs, when they're hired directly with the client, they're not compensated for that time. So we bring it all in-house and make it a lot more easier um, for, the, for the service to be facilitated. And within our recipes, there's a lot of flexibility. You know, this service is best, best comes to life when it's a triangulation mm-hmm. of the chef's distinct mm-hmm. culinary lineage and creativity with the client's needs 
under the context of what is their kitchen like? What does their kitchen have to offer? You really have to have a chef who understands that it's about those three things together in order to make the best food for that specific client. Bringing the culinary in-house has been such an amazing opportunity, not only to really streamline the business, but also to continue to empower our chefs um, to be creative and innovative with their own lineage, their own creativity, their own skills as, as artists, really. And we've developed a very unique culinary program that does that, that allows us to scale, that allows it to be a Colonista branded experience, whether you're in the Hamptons or in Aspen or in the city, but also really, really honor the chef. You know, we pride ourselves in attracting very um, professional, very high-end chefs. It's part of what makes the business work. You cannot have this business function if you have... Um, you know, chefs who have very little experience in the home um, or just really don't have it together. Um, we've been able to develop something that very high-end chefs really like to work within. Um, I can also speak to that because Andy uh, hired the Colonistas for our holiday party, and it was just the most unbelievable experience. The chef was the best I had ever seen or experienced. You got one food. of our favorites. She was amazing. <laughs> Everybody at the company was obsessed. Um, so the experience you guys have sort of created and curated is um, really remarkable. Everybody should try it. Thank you for saying that. It feels good every single time we hear positive feedback. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I it doesn't the, get old. It never does. I feel the same way when a customer says, you know, she loves the way she looks and feels in her bathing suit. Yeah. It's just like smiling ear to ear, even though it's been two years of great comment yeah so you guys are working together you're starting to grow and scale this business um, I'm sure it was incredibly stressful could you talk to us a little bit about um, how you were working through um, some of those pieces and, and what that was like definitely I think two very different people coming together while it's exciting there were so many ideas mm -hmm. so in the very early stages we started hiring um, hiring a team to do to fulfill different roles and it's challenging to hire. You have two females who are super passionate and excited about what we're about to build. And we need to hire quickly because we're moving a million miles a minute. And it's really challenging. The first few people you hire creates your culture. You can't, you can't dictate culture. It's kind of a feeling that you bring together. And we didn't get it right right away. And that is really detrimental, one, in, in creating the culture, and two, just the time it takes to rehire for that role. Um, so that was really challenging in the beginning. We got culinary right, and yeah. that's what we learned from that. Mm -hmm. It speaks to, you know, I had hired chefs for many years, and so when we were looking for a culinary director who was going to be leading the recipe dev and really running the kitchen, it's something I knew how to hire for, you know? So we had a, a very tight hiring process. But hiring for client services, you know, I was doing client services in a very different way. T was doing client services in a very different way. We had never done client services for this version mm -hmm. of this company. Mm. Um, and the product wasn't built. We were, we mm -hmm. had a vision of what our client service and our technology would look like down the road. Mm -hmm. But if you put yourself in that position at that time, it wasn't there. Mm. So we were kind of hiring for the for the present, but also the future. Mm -hmm. And neither of us had 
stepped into those shoes. So we got it wrong and we got it wrong again and we got it mm. wrong again. And then finally I stepped into the shoes because mm. um, we had no one else to do it. Smart. And it was at that moment mm-hmm. after spending two months in those shoes that we were able to come together and say, okay, now we know exactly who to hire. Mm. And it was a huge learning moment for us. And if anyone is building a team or thinking about hiring for a position, you don't have to spend two months in it, but put yourself in those shoes for a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll be so much more informed of how and who to hire. You know, people say like hire slow, mm. fire fast. Yeah. And we'd heard that and we'd heard that and we'd heard that. It was almost like, you know, like when you feel like you learn the same lesson. Yeah. You learn the lesson 12 times before you actually learn it. Yeah. People just told us that, but we were so you know, coming from this, we we're a bit scared, you know, mm-hmm. we were, we were really overworked in the beginning. Yeah, of course. Um, and felt like there was no capacity for us to do another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up being that ultimately Tiana jumped into it anyway. Mm. And now we have fantastic client services person. That sounds like really good advice. And I mean, I know hiring is so hard and can really make or break your business. When you said, you know, trying and trying and trying again, were these actually like bringing in people that just weren't the right fit and then having to let them yeah, go? Yeah, totally. And, and everyone, you know, all phenomenal people. We interviewed candidates. Yeah. But you start to realize exactly what you need and why they were fulfilling. And it's a, first we were real, like, startup. And there's no job description because you really, at the end of the day, need someone that can fulfill so many roles. Mm-hmm. And so while you get it right in one area, things were missing in the others. And it was really hard to find that well-rounded yeah. individual. And, you know, it's true that every person really does affect the culture. Oh, and absolutely. having a company culture in which everyone can feel good and feel like they are growing, feel very supported is of the utmost important with any organization, but especially in a startup. So as we moved along, you know, seeing the culture start to define itself, seeing really what we're about, Mm -hmm. um, digging deep into the core of what hospitality is and Mm -hmm. what being receptive to clients' needs and each other's needs really is about, very easy to see who is going to support that and really push that mission um, and who's going to, and who doesn't fully understand that in their in their heart? Mm-hmm. And how big is your team now? Just to... we're eight. Wow! And everyone kind of filling different roles. And then we 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 really learned from there because the our fifth hire, we there was no role. She just came to work with us um, as an intern. And at the end of her internship, we were like, we don't really have a role for you, but you're culturally yeah the right fit, and you're gonna grow with this business. Yep. If you can put yourself in these shoes, yeah. we'll keep you on. And it was like wow. the reverse. In the beginning, we were hiring for a specific role, yep. and then we learned, no, it's all about the person. Yeah. And as long as you have the right person, they can morph into any yeah. position. Yeah. Yeah. If they really see the vision of the company, mm-hmm. uh, they will do anything to, to push that vision forward. Well said. Um, Okay, so you guys are working together. You're starting to scale. You're hiring. Um, Tiana, for you, this is the first business you're running. Um, and Jill, for you, it's a new version of, of a business that you were running. Um, what are some resources that you guys turned to or used um, through the process? Were there mentors or books or TV shows um, uh, or, like, you know, clothing brands that you splurged on to relieve stress? I mean, what, like, what were some resources that you used? Yeah, I think we we both had our own uh, personal networks and mentors within our lives. Our investors are great, um, but we were also 
really intrigued and fascinated by the community we were within. And at this, at, since we started, we were all about efficiency. So one of our marketing strategies for client acquisition was to just collaborate and co-host with amazing female founders. And that really opened up a door for us. We were doing something important for the business. We were getting our name out there and marketing the services, but at the same time, we were curating this really amazing group of women um, who we could just start talking with. And and Jill kind of took the lead in creating our own personal branded series. Yeah, we like, we both really like advice and we both really like feedback. Um, it's not something we shy away from. So in the last uh, few months, we started doing what we call an eight at eight, which is eight female founders at eight o'clock at our studio. And it's really just a continuation of reaching out to founders who we know, founders who we don't know, but who we admire and want to talk to, and just hosting a dinner. I mean, obviously, we think that you know all the best things happen around a dinner table. Um, and we're lucky that our, our studio uh, has a big dining room table in it, of course. And it's, it's a very targeted, very programmed evening in which we invite specific people who we think could benefit from learning from each other. Everyone sends us questions that they want answered, um, not fluffy questions, like proper business questions. When do I give myself a raise? How, you know, how do I deal with promo codes? Very specific questions that everyone is kind of thinking about, and we workshop those ideas. Yeah, I, I went to one. It was amazing. It was so great um, and, and really helpful, and I'm still in touch with them. Um, I mean, you guys created an incredibly like high-quality group of founders. It was really remarkable. Um, that's still useful for me. People listening to this are going to want to know: Is it do do they just do you just reach out to people, or is there like yeah? A, let us know if you want to come over. <laughs> there know. you go. We love feeding people, <laughs> and it's yeah. Anyone that wants to be there and learn and grow from one another, it's I love reading founder books and I love talking to mentors. But at the end of the day, you I find it most effective when I'm talking to the women or men who are like in the trenches with me at that moment. And so if you want to come, email us. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So you have this great foundation. You've built an amazing product, a great brand. What's next? I'll, I'll tee it up for Jill since she's super excited about it. Um, but one of the results from bringing culinary in-house and running a service business is now we have a platform for content and product. And we gain so many insights from servicing a clientele and being a culinary company that it's opened up the avenue to do so much more. Namely, we just launched um, a postnatal package, which this comes straight out of just listening to our clients. We had, I'm not kidding you, like could count on could count on two hands women emailing us last year on their way to the delivery room. I'm having a baby. I'm going to be back at my apartment on Wednesday. Can I get some food in the fridge? Oh, my God. Yeah. And so after hearing this over and over and over, we're like, all right, what can we do that really is that really targets this need? Um, so we worked over the last few months um, with postnatal nutritionists and postnatal specialists about um, really bringing specific menus that mm. are supportive of uh, lactation needs or supportive of self-care. Um, so now our clients can sign up for a package of three weeks, a chef coming twice a week to their home and really providing the exact kind of food that, um, that is supportive to the, their nutrition needs. Um, and, and to go with it, we have a little postnatal zine, which has been 
our own baby. Oh my God. Um, that we got all sorts of contributions from some of our favorite moms around the city. Um, Ariane from Hatch, Leandra Medine Cohen, oh, who, just wow. had, who just had twins a few months ago. Gail Simmons. Gail Simmons, Brianne Mons, just really wonderful women um, who have a lot to say about the fourth trimester. And already we're getting women emailing us, are you doing prenatal? So um, again, one wow. of the reason we are even here today is because we listened to the need and we saw the need for post and now we see the need for, need for pre. Um, and so just like culinary, but more content and more product to go along with it. Yeah. Something that's so great about bringing culinary in-house, making this um, streamlined, is that we can build off of our existing service uh, for specific needs, launch in new markets. Uh, we're going to be launching in LA in the fall. Oh, congratulations. Um, and then, yeah, create content for ourselves, but also for others. Um, we've used a lot of our insights from our services um, to help other brands um, with photography, with recipes, that sort of thing. Oh, interesting. The zine you were talking about, where can people read that content? Or consume that content. so we just launched a blog called the spread oh nice um, good name Tiana so likes spreadsheets <laughs> I like dinner spreads, spreads. <laughs> <laughs> nice okay. it, it was a good collaboration between the two of us um so we're we had launched the spread so all of the content is there and then we'll be distributing the physical zine across New York City at clothing stores fertility centers um, at a you know mom focused fourth trimester events um you can always stop by our office to pick one up uh, but they'll be around the city. So smart. So smart. What has been the most exciting moment? We love our team. Hiring a team. Yeah. For sure. We love creating that culture and really finding a family who believes in the mission as much as we do and sees the tremendous growth opportunities. It's always, it's the most gratifying when we can add someone. Yeah. And we feel like, we're moving the needle. The business is growing in a way that we can add more resources to the team. It's really exciting for us. It's been a journey to get there, but a really fun continuation of the brand that we're building. Yeah, um, I feel the exact same way for what it's worth. Uh, the the building the team, I had two people start on Monday, um, and I have another one who just signed an offer letter, and it's just, I'm on cloud nine, so. You feel like it's real when yeah. you yeah walk into the office yeah. we'll walk into the office after this, after this podcast and there's like people working on behalf of you for this growing it's being. amazing yeah it feels like finding your best friends yeah it really oh, does yeah that's a nice way of putting it it is really it's an exciting time I'm so happy for you guys that everything is going amazing okay now we'll wrap it up with a few quick fire questions you have a work crisis who do you call Tommy Cohen George Tennant <laughs> What's your most important resource? Curiosity and intelligence, for sure. You gotta be smart. Smart people. What's the most important personality trait on the Colonistas team? Be receptive, hospitality, be a host. Perfect. Um, awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. It's been so nice to speak with you um, about your experience building the Colonistas. Um, really appreciate all the insights you shared. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Melanie. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah.